Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we are joined by Director of Tennis and General Manager for the Jack Kramer Club. Of course, he's also a five-time national championship winning head coach. Of course, I'm referring to Peter Smith, who will serve as Tournament Director for this week's SoCal Pro Circuit events. The SoCal Pro Circuit headed for its Los Angeles stretch in week number one of that LA stretch begins at the Jack Kramer Club. We wanted to talk to Coach Smith about this week's action, what fans can expect over the course of the six days of tennis. Of course, we also had to talk with Coach Smith about his prolific coaching career. That includes a walk down memory lane, some of the highlights from his time at USC, getting in to the college coaching ranks at age 23 at Long Beach State, and so much more. It is a fantastic conversation that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy, of course, before we get to it. Just a quick reminder, we will continue our coverage of the 2022 SoCal Pro Circuit this Saturday, July 2nd. We'll have coverage of the singles semifinal matches. We'll also have coverage of the doubles championships, of course, then on Sunday we'll have or two singles finals for you as well. All of that action available for free on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. If you missed any of the earlier action, want to catch up, we have replays for you on YouTube as well. Of course, we are also extraordinarily excited for the year's third Grand Slam to begin Wimbledon starting this week. And of course, if you have missed any of the action, you can catch up on it all on our mini break podcast feed. We'll have daily recap episodes for you. They are picks each and every day on our Great Shot podcast feed as well as we try to keep you all locked and loaded with all of the information you need to enjoy the fortnight at Wimbledon. But of course, again, here on today's show, we are joined by Kramer Club Director of Tennis, Peter Smith. Before we get to it, have to give a shout out to our friends at Swing Vision for their support of this podcast. Simply put, Swing Vision on the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the sport of tennis. The most efficient way to improve your game moving forward forward, downloading the Swing Vision app. Let them get to work helping you. All you got to do, open the app, set up your phone to record your hitting session. And each time you do, Swing Vision will break down the film for you. They'll show you the makes. They'll show you the misses, forehand, backhand, volley, serves, you name it. They're able to categorize all of the information provided to you so that you can watch yourself back and learn what you need to improve on. Of course, if you want to learn more about the Swing Vision app, click on the link in the description to this podcast. If you're ready to sign up, use our promo code CRACK20. You get $20 off plus a 14-day pro trial. Again, Swing Vision on the forefront of all innovations happening in the artificial intelligence space in tennis. Learn more by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. With all of that said, let's get to it. My conversation with the one and only Peter Smith. Hey, Crack fans. Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? 
success. Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of course, friends who use our Crack Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code Crack 20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information, one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast once again today is one of the formative tennis personalities in my lifetime following the sport. Of course, a man you know best as a five-time national championship winning coach for the USC Trojans, was a hell of a coach at Long Beach State, Fresno, and Pepperdine as well. Of course, now we know him as the general manager and director of tennis at the Jack Kramer Club, which of course is hosting the next and latest event on the SoCal Pro Circuit. Welcome onto the show, Coach Peter Smith. Coach, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. Doing great. Got my sit out in my backyard. Just, uh, you know, went on a beautiful walk with my two labs and uh, just hanging out here with my beautiful wife and, you know, getting ready to start this week. It's going to be a, a very full week, that is for sure. Yeah, no, we love to hear that. And of course, happy belated Father's Day to you. We at Crack Rackets have been so fortunate to spend a bunch of time with Riley and all of your sons over the years. And I believe Father's Day gift of all gifts. And I like to think my dad turned 60 on Father's Day this year. And oh, so wow. we That's surpri- awesome. Yeah, and my two brothers and I all surprised him by coming in. It was fun to see his oh. face. He was like, Eric, Nick. And then he goes, oh, okay, this is a surprise for my birthday, isn't it? And it was like, yep, you could see it just all register on his face. But if my research is correct, did Tanner get married last weekend? And if so, mazel tov to you. Yeah, Tanner uh, got married on Saturday and uh, a very cool part about it is I married them. So <laughs> that, that is was, awesome. I was, I was the officiant. Uh, it was just a, well, and my cat's joining us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, that is funny. Jojo. Come on, sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, yeah, it was a super nice treat. Uh, nice compliment, probably honor of my life that they wanted me to do that. And, and the wedding was absolutely perfect. He married a, girl from SC, uh, Lily Dubroff, who was a swimmer at SC. And so, you know, they met and uh, getting free breakfast in the morning. So, (laughs) you know, that free breakfast paid off. Yeah, no, that is incredible to hear. And I say this to my father, so I'll say it to you. You are old, but for to hear Tanner is getting married, I feel incredibly old. Like that is just <laughs> devastating, devastating to me. But you know, yeah. that's I love how you put that. You know, a lot of people would say, you know, uh, old guy or you are old. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't know. 
you'll see in life it's all relative you know we live with my mother-in-law who's 90 and you know i would i i think i'm very young next to her so well no i don't feel bad it's something about those usc coaches you pete carroll silver foxes if nothing else coach (laughs) smith so you've got that rolling for you but uh of course again we are now hot here into this podcast and as you mentioned big week coming up at the kramer club you guys are hosting one of the socal pro circuit events uh obviously you know southern california tennis in particular has meant so much to you throughout your career why was important for you and the kramer club to get involved in this circuit of pro events well if if you're not going to do it who's going to do it you know it's i i really believe that tennis has been so good to me and uh you know just to give back i mean it's it's a lot of fun in a lot of ways like i can remember jen jensen brooksby you know playing in the qualities at age 14 i think he tried to get a wild card when he was 13 and you know it's to go back, you know, Kozlov went in his f- first future when he was like 18, you know, you get to know the players at a different level. Um, and it really, you stay connected to the game. Um, you know, fortunately, you know, the board of directors at Jack Kramer club, you know, liked my idea, you know, I think opening up a, a nice or club like a Jack Kramer club for the guys and girls to play at for the week is a really great experience. Hopefully we have great crowds and my members and others appreciate it. But I, you know, to me, it's just about like these kids need opportunities and uh, Chris Boyer and the Southern Cal tennis association, Trevor Cronin have done such a great job to make this possible. So, you know, opening up the club uh, to do it, I think is a huge treat for both us and the players. Mm-hmm. And I've had the chance to speak with Chris Boyer. He passed me the number of from May to September in 2021, there were nine pro circuit events for the men in the United States at the ITF level in Europe during that same stretch of time. There were 108. Obviously, that's quite the disparity. And, you know, you have obviously coached at the highest levels and the notable ones will be Stevie and Robert Farah, but players like Eric Johnson and Max DeVroom and the guys at the collegiate level who are trying to dip their toes uh, in the pro circuit. How important is it for them to have these local opportunities? As you mentioned, was that something you felt was missing throughout your coaching tenure? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think there's lots of ways to get competition. But to me, for a 17 through, you know, 23-year-old, whatever age, uh, these opportunities are priceless. And they're so, so important. So there's lots of opportunities. But to play at ITF where there's ATP points and WTA points, there's a, a much different intensity when people are playing for those world ranking points. And so this is very, very important. And Southern Cal tennis historically is the best tennis in the world. Look at all of the great tennis players that have come out of here and are still coming out of Southern Cal. So it's super important that these players have these opportunities in their backyard. Yeah. And, you know, 
I think one of the least heralded but probably most exciting events is the Maze Cup, which is, of course, North Cal versus SoCal. And, you know, I never got the chance to see that or participate in it. But you talk about that tradition of Southern California tennis. I mean, can you talk me through the history? Again, some of the names for our listeners who may not know. Well, let's take the Jack Kramer Club. Yeah, uh, We've got, you know, Tracy Austin, Pete Sampras, Elliot Telcher, you know, uh, Derek Cristano, Lindsey Davenport, you, you know, I mean, that's right there. I mean, that's, you go to Southern Cal, there's, there's a lot more names, you know, you got Andre who's from Vegas, but played a lot of tennis in Southern Cal and he's such an amazing person, but uh, you know, it, it just over and over, I mean, you can go back to the sixties and someone like Stan Smith, Bob Lutz, you know, just, just amazing Pam Shriver on the women's side. So it, it, the depth I've always, always felt when I was recruiting, I always wanted to recruit Southern Cal first, then the nation, then the world. But the depth in Southern Cal is unlike any other district in the country. And uh, it's really, really important. And that's what makes this pro circuit so enjoyable is we get to see the range of talents from the 16, 17, 18-year-olds who are just working their way in to the established college players, young pros out on circuit. Uh, You know, in terms of building tennis at the grassroots, you talked about being able to bring this event to the Kramer Club and be able to show it to your members. You know, is that a value? As we look at building tennis, you know, American tennis in particular, how valuable is that piece to show, you know, the le- this level of tennis to people who may not otherwise be exposed to it? Yeah, I mean, for the members, I keep telling them, them you are not going to believe how good this tennis is. You're not going to believe the quality. You're not going to believe the intensity. And we, we host a college tournament, which is incredible. It blows all the members' minds. And, and, and I would say another very important reason is you know, we have a very uh, big junior program, very successful junior program at the club. It's very important for me to show these juniors, hey, this is this is what you can have. This is what you can aspire to be. Look, I think 99.9% of kids should go to college, um, but <laughs> the vast, vast majority, you know, has got a dream. And all of these kids should dream about being professional tennis players. And this is the foundation. This is the starting block. If you're a professional tennis player, this is where you got to start. So, you know, we have a 14 year old member, uh, Eva Jovic, who won orange bowl. Um, and she's got a wild card into the main draw. So it'll be great to see her play. So they're not only going to watch, they're going to play too. I should tell you, uh, this is me admitting to a crime. The amount of time I've stolen your quote when college tennis is good, it's really, and then I include a f***ing good. Um, You know, the the amount of times I've stolen that just from you, and that is a Peter Smith original. Uh, This is me acknowledging the crime here now. I also, just for the record... If you and Riley want to throw yourselves a wild card into doubles, I'd watch. Like, it would be entertaining. I feel like you guys could steal around. Are you, are you kidding me? You don't you don't <laughs> think that was mentioned last week at Tanner's <laughs> tournament? And, and it's so funny because Tammy was just texting with his girlfriend, and 
she said, oh, you know, are we seeing each other? And she said, I'll talk to Riley. He's playing tennis right now. And I turned to, <laughs> turned to Tammy and I'm like, does he want a wild card? <laughs> was, he, was he not kidding? Yeah. I'm not ready to play. I've been playing too much, but I, you know, obviously I would never do that for myself. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I consider it for a rise, but, uh, you know, cause there's too much, but yeah, it's, it's a blast. Uh, you know, I love playing tennis. I love competing in tennis. So mm-hmm. we'll see, but there'll be, there'll be a lot of really good players to watch. Yeah. A lot better than me. Yeah. Well, you know, the service games would be rough. That's for sure. Like <laughs> the, no one's denying that, but you know, Riley will hold and that, that's Riley, the key. Yeah. Will hold. Yeah. You're in the exactly. ball game at that point, exactly. but uh, no, we're, we're going to be, not be worse than two and two. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Look, that senior title isn't sitting on its shelf on its own. You know, it got there for a reason. Um, and so, uh, you know, with all that said, you talk about the quality and the opportunities being offered for the juniors. Um and we've sort of alluded to this piece as well, but we will see some juniors and co- juniors, I say, players who haven't, you are still eligible to play the junior events who are dipping their uh, toes into the pro circuit. And just as a preview for our listeners, those are the sort of players that are going to be featured throughout the course of the week, right? Yeah, we're having a featured match every night at six o'clock. So when the main draw starts on Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to have a 6 p.m. match. And, you know, I'm going to try and get the most interesting people out there. Um, like Hudson Rivera, who just won our 18 sectionals. He has a wild card. I've known Hudson since he was <laughs> in diapers. Uh, incredibly, he lives three doors down from me. Uh, and, and I've known his mom and dad for a long time. Great people. And uh, so, you know, he's playing. And Eva, and we got Brandon Holt. You know, he's going to have a tough two-mile commute from his house. <laughs> uh, you know, the course he plays on all the time. We're, we're so excited to have him and hopefully feature him. You know, Zach Savada, is Zach 19? Yeah. Uh, he still might be in the juniors. He's playing some great ball. So, you know, a lot of young kids. And, uh, yeah, we're going to feature those kids. And, and, you know, it's just always fun to watch the youngins play. Yeah, no, Brandon Holt, 32-8 and eight this year, I think, something like yep. that, and has risen into the top 350, so to get to see him in action, going to be delightful, and, you know, again, with all of that in mind, for these players, and you sort of alluded to it, and we're going to go off script a little bit here now, um, you talked about you would recommend the majority of them go play college tennis, and the numbers I've repeated of late right now, there are 10 men in the ATP top 100 in singles, but much more notably, 32 players in the top 100 of doubles who all played, you know, some form of college tennis throughout the course of their careers. I mean, I I think I know your answer, leading the witness here, but talk to me about college tennis as a pathway to the pros. Why does it seem to be working so well right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, the the game is a mature game. I mean, Rafa and and Novak are still tuned dominating and late into their thirties. You know, it's just, it it takes a lot of uh, old man strength to play good tennis and it's just harder and harder. And that's why everyone's kind of freaked out at what Alcaraz has done this year because he's so young and you haven't seen that since Rafa or, you know, like 20 years. So, you know, it, it just takes a mature mind. It takes some mature emotions and it, 
and really it takes physicality you know it's such a physical physical game with the strings now it's you, you've got to be able to be strong in the corners and uh you know that's hard when you're 17 18 mm-hmm. no it's again certainly the physicality the improvements and nowadays half these guys are six foot six and can move like that's almost the ball game at this point completely agree with you there Uh, asking about your career because at 23 years old and I know you were taking classes at the time but you know you ultimately begin your coaching career at Long Beach State and we're ready to get into it right away what was it about the college tennis coaching that appealed to you so quickly in your career well, first of all, it was a paycheck. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, I lost to Michael Chang in a future in Lawrence, Kansas. It wasn't close. Uh, he grew up about seven houses down the street. He was seven years younger than me. I was like, I suck. Uh, I'm, I'm not good. I was three fifty in the world, and I was just like. Okay, right. Okay, you did this for a year. Go find something else. I, I didn't ever want to be that guy that was hanging on. And so I, I went back to school. I don't know what I was going to do. I might have gone and played again. Who knows? But I was like, I got to get my degree. How my parents let me start playing before I got my degree is, I, I don't know. It was all part of the master plan. But <laughs> my coach, Larry Easley, um, who was also the head pro at the Jack Raymer club before he got a coach at Long Beach state. He brought me in the office and he said, I'm quitting tomorrow and I'm going to tell them to hire you. I'm like, what? <laughs> like back the truck up. And, uh, so they, they interviewed me the following week and decided to hire me. Uh, incredible. I, I think at the, at the time it was all part of their plan to like de-emphasize the program and things like that. So hire a young kid. But for me, it was this incredible opportunity to now have, I was literally taking 21 units, uh, had team members in my classes. So now all of a sudden I was their coach. I mean, I came out the next day and I was like, Hey, I'm your coach. And you know, we can't go drinking anymore together. And, uh, you can't call me Peter again. And everyone was kind of scratching their heads. What happened? But very early on, I, I loved helping people. Uh, I just loved it, Uh, you know, helping guys, you know, in life and tennis was always what really, really inspired me. And I'm I'm incredibly competitive. So I had that, you know, that got taken care of. And then I loved building things. And that was the other thing you got to do. You know, you got to improve your facility and and just make things better. And those three, three things came across to me very, very clearly. Mm-hmm. And I just fell in love with it right away. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about building things. You, all four schools you've coached at, from Long Beach, Fresno, Pepperdine, USC, all able to get into the top 25. And in the 90s, you're the only guy to guide two programs, Fresno, Pepperdine, to the NCAA quarterfinals. With that Fresno program in particular, you know, I believe it was 94, first ever NCAA tournament. 96, you guys are in the NCAA quarterfinals. Is it possible to do that at a program like Fresno State? Obviously, so unfortunate when Fresno State, who has had you as a coach and Brad Dancer as a coach, clearly a place where people can succeed. They opt out of men's tennis. 
Is it possible for a program like a Fresno State to succeed at that level in today's college tennis? Yes. Yes. I I really believe that. It's is it harder? Yes, it's harder. It's gotten harder. Uh, the, the power five conferences have so much money. Um, the recruiting has changed, you know, life just gets harder all the time. I mean, you know, it's just gets more competitive. Um, you know, back then I can remember driving to Mexico, like, I don't know how it was deep in Mexico, but it was like six, eight hours and there were no other college coaches there. Um, you know, so today that wouldn't be the case. Um, you know, it's just, it's just the recruiting is just so much more competitive, but if you have the passion and, and the, and the knowledge, uh, and the work ethic, you can do it. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you know, Pepperdine, you know, university of San Diego, those schools are right there. And, you know, so at the end of the day, it's about great coaching and, uh, recruiting great players. So. You know, that's that's super important. I mean, you drop, you know, Ty Tucker anywhere, he's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, m- my dream is, you know, bring back Long Beach State. I'd love to bring back Long Beach State men's tennis, you know. So we'll see. You never know. Um, but, yeah, it is possible. All right, I'm going to tell Parsa that's my scoop. When you do bring it back, he doesn't get to tweet it out. I get to save that one for me as, <laughs> as it came up here on the podcast first. And, you know, I, I, well, I want to talk about the Fresno State Pepperdine stuff, but let's just open Pandora's box. You talk about being competitive. 2006, probably your toughest season at USC. I believe the only year you guys don't make the NCAA tournament, 8 and 14 overall. That same season, Pepperdine goes on to win the men's national championship. Now, I warned you, you might swear at me. This is the question I was afraid it was going to be during. Um, but is that the kick in the ass you got, like, for you personally, as a competitor? Did you see that? And then obviously, 07 onward, the fun really begins. Yeah, I chuckled. You know, I had recruited those guys. And you're always happy for those guys. Uh, Scott Dorner played one. I, I was super happy for him. Um, you know, I, I knew the team really well. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was like, wow, you know, wow, how can this happen? And, uh, you know, you know, it's funny. You look back on it. Like we had such a tough year. I think we lost 10, four, three matches. Uh, I think we're one and 11 and four, three matches. And, you know, I think we played Virginia at home like had match point. They were one. We lost it. I mean, we're a good team. Uh, we just weren't very disciplined. And, and that was all my fault. And, and that, you know, it really made me look at how I was doing things and to have Pepperdine win it. It, it was uh, humorous, but we, we lost. I was, I was very mad. We had, uh, no one got into singles, but we got a doubles team in. And I was like, your season is done. We're not going to go. And I mean, imagine doing that today. You know, I was not happy and I was not happy with those players. And and they knew it. And I said, you don't get to go. You, you know, you 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 will have the wins, but, you know, you don't you don't deserve this. And uh, and we the next year, it was completely different. Uh, 
actually took the team next year and we went to Camp Pendleton and we trained with Marines. Um, and again, you can talk about this stuff now, but I remember they woke us up at 4.30 a.m. <laughs> and the day finished at 1 a.m. And it was great, but I was like, we have got to be better. We have got to be way better. And so, you know, it was painful, but it was probably the best thing that ever happened to myself as a coach and as a leader. That's the moment Yak Poldma was like, you know what? I'm not going to play pro tennis. I'm going to do something else. <laughs> uh, but no, that uh, I mean, obviously, the results speak for themselves. And validating is the wrong word because nothing in the end. You don't need validation from anyone. But satisfying. I'm curious. Oh nine, the first. I know that one's always going to be special. Or fourteen when it's without Stevie, when it's without Daniel, when it's guys like Yannick and even, you know, further down the lineup, uh, Michael Sell coming through on court six against Virginia, which of the two, I mean, I'm sure they're all held pretty fondly, but which of the two is the more validating coaching experience? Yeah, it was uh, Michael Grant. But or Grant, yes. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, uh, Mikey played great there. The You know, it's hard to say. Uh, they all are special. I mean, I can go through all five of them and, and list reasons why they're so special and use that word validation. I actually, that was one of the very first things I, I thought when we won in 09, this validates that how I'm coaching and what we're doing as a program works. And, uh, yeah, it was super, super special. Um, but you know, 10, we played against probably the best Tennessee team with Tennis Sangram playing four, you know, Ryan Williams playing one, you know, 11, we had probably our closest match with Virginia. Incredible. 12 was the four Pete. And then, you know, uh, I will say this, that when we beat Virginia in the semis, uh, I it was D win or Stevie that called. And I said, I think they think you're still on the team, <laughs> but it was, I have to say that, you know, when we won it, uh, like Ray Sarmiento and Jan and Kampfman, you know, I looked at them and I'm like, Hey, we did it. And guess what? Stevie wasn't here. You know, it, it was, it was good, but you know, at the end of the day, you're happy for the players. I mean, that's the most overriding feeling when you win to watch your team so happy. Uh, I can remember your Roberto Quiroz trying to teach me salsa in the <laughs> locker room after we won in, in 12. And, you know, it, it was just, you know, such memories, such joy. Uh, it, it's just to see those guys that joyous is, is the feeling you'll always remember. Was 12 your best team? Because on paper, certainly all those guys, top 400 or better, and, you know, the idea of Kiro's at six in retrospect, you're like, ha! And, you know, Yannick, who's a top 100 player, played five singles on that roster. You look top to bottom, certainly on paper. That one felt particularly good. But, like, I look at 11, and I still think the 11 Virginia team is the best team that didn't win a national championship. And that match, in my opinion, is the best match in college tennis history. I'm curious what Coach Peter Smith thinks. They all were good uh, <laughs> yeah. on paper. They On paper, and, and I think when you do something like this, it has to be on paper. And mm-hmm. it, 12 is it. You know, it, it just, you know, they all were so good. They, 
they all were, you know, you have two, three, four players that are top 400, uh, you know, all of them were top 500. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Uh, you know, no one would have guessed that at that moment. Um, but yeah, it was right. Right. And very, I, very special. And you had Eric Johnson at seven who, you know, he got to top 400, top 500 for sure. So pretty good bench player. Yeah. And I, my argument when I look at college tennis now, I think the top teams, five, 10, even 25 years ago, are as good as they are now. But to me, it's team 20, 30, 40, 50. That's just demonstrably better than perhaps their peers were a decade ago. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah. But that's life. You know, yeah, sure. the depth always gets better. And, you know, the, the, the resources are there. Uh, the coaching is there. It's, but I, I go back to the resources, you know, it, there's just more money in college athletics and, and hopefully that stays through all this craziness, but um, yeah, there's, they just have that resources, which gives you opportunities. Yeah. George Husack, Brett Macy, Chris Quinta, who was the mo- most dangerous foe when it came to team pranks? <laughs> Brett Macy, for sure. He, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a prankster. And we, we had some really, we, we all, they always called them van wars and we went back and forth and, you know, I kept doing it when George was there and George is looking at me like, I'm like, oh, all right, okay. We're not 12. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, Chris is Eastern European. He's, he, he's the most fiery of the bunch. Uh, but, uh, they, they all were incredible, you know, uh, assistants and, you know, people who I couldn't have had any of that success without. Do you recall peanut butter gate? Because I've heard some rumors that there was a battle between the vans involving peanut butter that may have gone over the top. (laughs) Yeah. Some people took it too far. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, I can remember being in Palm Springs and I was like, guys, I cannot drive. And we had to go, you know, somehow I cleared out one side. I think they put peanut butter all over the windshield. You know, we would just, you know, just trying to find a place to wash it. I was like, come on, you know, but we've, we've done some pretty terrible things, uh, you know, putting, putting, cutting guys hair and putting it, you know, on the windshield with peanut butter. Oh, no, that's it's impressive. And, you know, my last question, and it's a weird one, but I pride myself a historian of college tennis. When you were looking through the record books for Steve Johnson, how difficult was it to even find what the win streak was and what he was chasing? It didn't exist. It didn't exist at all. You know, we did some real research on it. And, you know, because we had some time. Um, he was like, you know, not going to come back, come back, not going to come back. You know, I mean, in the end, he was always going to come back. Um, that's the thing about Stevie is he is, he's the biggest team guy. And, he, you know, if he says he's going to do something, he does it. Um, but so, you know, he played for seven months from May to January. And, and uh, you know, Darcy Couch and our sports uh, administration, you know, sports information, she – just started calling all the colleges and there was nothing like that. No one had ever talked about it. The best streak we 
we found was from Pern Force at Georgia. And I think he was like 47, 48, 49 in a row. Uh, so he finished like, you know, winning his last 49 matches. Yeah. I, it's, it was obviously something. I always joke around on our broadcast when someone gets to, to like 16 as a sophomore. I'm like, all right, like it, they're not out of the conversation yet. Like it's somewhat, somewhat possible. But yeah, it's also most impressive, Stevie, 72 and 0 in his final 72 college matches, 0 and 72 in practice sets. People don't talk about that enough uh, throughout the course of his final two well, years as well. Yeah. He'd walk out and he'd say, hey, who do you want me to? make feel good today you know <laughs> you need i mean it's super funny even now when he plays a junior you know he just loses i'm like what are you the junior's like I, one of my juniors beat him and he was like talking smack i was like i didn't correct him but i was like dude he loses to everybody literally everybody yeah it's, he's a he can be extremely competitive, but he can be the most chill guy ever. Yeah, no, that's, again, one of a kind. And uh, obviously, uh, looking forward, Coach, to having the chance to watch what you guys are putting on this weekend and throughout the course of the week at the Jack Kramer Club. Again, it's week four of the SoCal Pro Circuit. We'll have coverage of all the action starting, I believe, July 2nd on Saturday with the semifinals and singles championship doubles matches, then championship Sunday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Coach Smith, it is always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and enjoy yourself a week, my friend. Alex, awesome. Great to see you again. Uh, thanks for for doing this and uh, listening to me for 30 minutes. Of course. Take care. All right. We'll see you. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Kramer Club Director of Tennis and former USC men's tennis head coach Peter Smith. Always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with a legend. And if you're making a Mount Rushmore of men's college tennis head coaches, certainly the McGills, the Goulds have to be up there. But Peter Smith is on the short list to have his face up there as well. Again, his USC teams defining the late aughts, early 2010s, that USC-Virginia rivalry, something in my opinion that propelled college tennis to the next level. Always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with coach. Coach Smith. And again, hopefully all of you will tune into the action this week happening on the SoCal Pro Circuit. Semifinals and final coverage coming up for all of you this weekend, Saturday, Sunday on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. We are excited to see some of these top rising talents in the world continue to compete. Hopefully you all will choose to join us as well. Of course, if you're looking for Wimbledon coverage, mini break podcast, great shot podcast in our website, CrackedRackets.com, the place for you. The more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets, you want to message me directly, I am at A.L. Gruskin. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, for the f*** of an energy job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Shout out as well to our friends at Swing Vision. Remember, use that promo code CRACK20 when you do sign up. You can learn more by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. With all of that said, for the fantastic Peter Smith, our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Swing Vision, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. I'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>